Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Evan Novi williams and this is the best regular season team ever. Sports business podcast, The Sportacast. So what? What do the Bruins do? You take out the President's Trophy, march it around the, the parking lots of the local... Uh shopping malls and see what kind of celebration happens. Oh, man. By the, by the excellent emoji used back there. <laughs> Thank Look you. Look at your little, maybe a little unhappy face. I, at first, I thought you had a smudge. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. It's an unhappy face. So, yeah, the, the, right there. Put, put it so you get it right. Get it right <laughs> on there. Good pointing. Uh, I got to tell you, uh, at the start of the playoffs, and I know from a logical point of view, in a logical sense, this didn't make good sense. But uh, our CEO, Dick Lover, asked me, can anybody beat the Bruins? And I said, I don't think so. No. And he goes, I think we bet lunch or something. And he's like, I'll take the field. Now, obviously, in the in the NHL playoffs, taking the field versus one team is the way to Better go. Bet, but, yeah. Yeah. And I just said, no, I like they don't have a weakness. And then the one minor, minor weakness somebody was pointing out was the uh the Linus Olmark lack of playoff experience. And I go, like, we're on the eye. I love this. We are doing uh like talk radio here, not business of sport. But uh, I still didn't think it was being enough. They've had Swayman. They have great goaltending. But Bergeron missed the first, you know, the first couple of games. I get it. He was hurt. But man, I, I, I didn't see it. Uh, I, did, I, I didn't think that this team could be beaten four out of seven. It's, uh, you are not alone, Scott. Most people did not. Yeah. And, and again, to emphasize... All the it, money, like 40-something percent of the money was bet on the Bruins. Uh, to win the Stanley Cup. And this was, yeah, again, yeah. As, as I said in the intro, the, the best 65 regular season wins, I think the best, uh, by win-loss percentage, the best team in, in NHL history in the regular season, bounced in the first round by the Florida Panthers. And we can bring this back to, to, to the business side, Scott. The Bruins sell out every year, almost all the time, right? So having the best team in the league this year, maybe sold a few more standing room tickets, but but really not a huge impact, I don't think, financially yes. on the team. What matters Correct. here is is those home playoff games. And, and for this team, this team that was this good to get only four home playoff games, I imagine from a financial standpoint, uh, is a big, big underwhelming flop for the owners of the Boston Bruins. Well, let's talk about it in the context of Giannis Antetokounmpo. And you know he made a lot of noise with, <laughs> with his comment about, no, it's not a failure and life is steps and you learn. And you and I get it, I totally get it. But if you were asking the president, CEO, president of BizOps, anybody on the revenue side of the Boston Bruins, if this was a failure, the answer is yes. I can guarantee you that the budget line was more than four home games 
for the Bruins in the postseason. I can guarantee you that. And, you know, more impactful for the Bruins, by the way, than the Celtics, because keep this in mind, people forget this. The Celtics are a tenant in that building. It's owned by the Bruins. There's a reason why the seats are gold. You know, you can bet that if the, if the Boston Bruins, if if Wick Grosbeck and Steve Paliuka and that group own the building, those seats would be green. <laughs> However, they are gold for a reason because they are controlled by the Boston Bruins. Yeah, it's, it's going to launch so many questions about load management, which is a term I think and NBA fans are very familiar with, NHL fans maybe a little bit less, and part of that I think is a cultural thing around the game. But the the amount of attention the Bruins obviously paid towards getting that that record and having players that were playing later not resting maybe as much as a lot of people thought they were uh, I think this is going to, to to launch a whole new set of questions about how important the regular season is in terms of of, of getting your team maximized for for the playoffs and it may result in I would say Scott I would not be surprised if moving forward we see NFL NHL stars playing a bit less in games 75 to 82 than they did this year or have in years past just because of the legacy of this of this Boston Bruins flop. Yeah, but I can tell you, if I go to a game, if I go to an Edmonton Oilers game and McDavid doesn't play, <laughs> I am not happy. Like, he is singularly worth the price of admission. I want to go to see him play specifically like Jordan. You know, if you went to see the Bulls and Jordan doesn't play, you're like, uh, this is no good. But I will tell you this, and I, I know it's a little inside hockey, but I did... Uh, have a conversation, and I'm going to leave the team names out of it and people just because, you know, whatever, nobody needs to know exactly who it was, uh, going into the playoffs about who don't you want to play. This was an Eastern Conference hockey person. So it's not a business side, folk. It was, it was a hockey side person. Who do you not want to play? That person said the Florida Panthers. Hmm. So big, tough, they'll beat you up, great goaltending. They just, just want no part of the Florida Panthers, and well, now you see why. You could have made some money on that, Scott, with uh, <laughs> the, don't, the, the, don't, the don't Panthers even were a suggest, big underdog here. But, but, but speaking of making money, though, Edmund, because I did, by the way, and this this is funny, this is, now there's a whole lot of teams that this makes sense for, so I'm not you know telling tales here, and you, you, you won't be able to know who it was, but I did send a text message to one of the business side folks, like saying, wow, hey, you know, good good wins and stuff. And the response was just, you know, the dollar figure per home game more with a big smiley face. That's how people think about it. It's yes, it's great to advance. It's great. The team wins, whatever. But you're looking at budgets and you're looking at, am I in the red? I'm in the black. Am I further in the black? Am I really doing well? Is my owner going to be thrilled with me? That's how these folks look at it. Kurt Bodenhausen, our colleague, did a really good story a few weeks ago. I think we talked about it on the podcast, the various ways in which different leagues share postseason ticket money across the league, yep. right? So so if in the NFL, almost all of the postseason gate by every team gets shared equally among all the teams as part of the league-wide revenue sharing, other leagues are very different. The NBA, I believe, is on the other end of the spectrum. They, they, they take the least, about 25%. I think the NHL is around 35%. So these these home playoff games are a huge deal for for every team that is playing in, the, in, in this postseason. It's higher ticket prices. I'm sure the per cap on merchandise is, is significantly higher. I wouldn't be shocked if parking is a little bit more expensive as well. The, the, these are the, the big difference money revenue drivers. And we can widen this, Scott, wider beyond just this series. I think the shift in the NFL, NHL now goes to the two Canadian teams that are left, right? The, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the, the one of the most valuable, if not the most valuable clubs in the league. And then in the other side, the Edmonton Oilers, led by two of, if not the two best players in hockey right now, 
Uh, so much attention, I think, now is going to shift toward those two teams now that the Bruins are out and the defending champion Colorado Avalanche are also eliminated. Well, we're talking about marquee. What do people want to see? Yeah, Gary Bettman cannot be happy that the defending champs, you know, big names, big stars, McKinnon and the like, um, and, and the Avalanche are out. And certainly, certainly you wanted the Boston Bruins. Original six, uh, big names in the playoffs, all that hype about winning all those games. You absolutely wanted them in the playoffs. I'm not sure your casual sports fan will be able to name too many Florida Panthers. Although they will get drawn into if, there's, if they're still throwing the rats on the ice, you know, the plastic rats, if that comes back, at least that's a way to, to at least get through to the casual sports fan. My wife was watching the game with me the other night and you know they threw it on. She's like, what's that? And I explained and then we went and Googled and saw the old days where the ice was absolutely filled with them Man, and the goalies Brock, would retreat into I the remember. net. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, those are fun stories. I mean, you know, it's not an octopus as in Detroit and you know why they did that, right? For the octopus. You know why they did that? I do yeah. not. Why did they throw the octopus on the ice? I don't know. Because originally you needed eight wins to win the Stanley Cup. So eight tentacles, octo, mm-hmm. octo, eight. That's why they threw the octopus on the eight. The Sashnik value had there. Um, it was best of eight. How did that work? Yeah, nine. What <laughs> no, do I know? Best. It was eight to win. That's what it was. <laughs> so, oh, that's what it was. Multi- you know? So it's two series. I see what you're saying. Yeah, two best of teams, seven right. series. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> so um, you know, things like that can actually draw in casual sports fan, and, and I hope that the Panthers lean into it. I hope they get it out on social. I hope the NHL gets that out on social. Um, that's how you're going to draw casual fans in. And if Gary Bettman is maybe not so happy with how things are, are turning out, Adam Silver, I imagine, totally opposite boat. Scott, uh, Steph Curry bailed out the Warriors over the weekend. We have Warriors, Lakers, Steph versus LeBron in the East. The Knicks are still alive. And we have, I think if you're a basketball fan, the idea of the Celtics and the 76ers playing a seven-game series is also really enticing. It feels like things are working out very well from a national storyline and stardom perspective in the NBA. Big names, big brands, big markets. What was it David Stern said all those years ago? What would be the ideal matchup in the NBA playoffs? Do you remember what he said? I don't. Lakers-Knicks? Oh, that, you're so the, young. <laughs> you're so young. You got to start. You got to read the history books. David Stern once said the ideal matchup would be Lakers versus Lakers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know? And and Lakers versus Warriors and Steph Curry is as close to Lakers versus Lakers as you're going to get. Yeah. Uh, but let's not forget, by the way, one second back to the NHL. As we record, we've still got two New York area teams playing each other in a game seven tonight. You've You've got Rangers against Devils, and you know those network folks want the Rangers. I know you've got Jack Hughes and an up-and-coming team. I got it. Uh, you know, no, no slight on the Devils. I got it. Uh, good story, but we're talking about original six, New York Rangers, number one media market. And, and this conversation always brings me back to, to this debate, and, and the NHL and the NBA are, are, are the two perfect ways to frame it, but this debate between parody on one end, which the NHL has a ton of it, and the, the, the coalescing of stars around super teams in the, in the NBA, um, and the, the challenge and, and the benefit. You see both, the, the, the drawbacks and the benefits. The, the NHL and any of the 16 teams that are in the playoffs realistically has a shot to win the Stanley Cup Finals. It's great for fans of teams that are not the, the, the few top seeds, um, but the drawback is exactly what we've seen here. You have the two, top seed, the, 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 the two best teams in, the, in each 
conference, the Avalanche and the Bruins, both eliminated in the first round. Um, it, it, it's the, the, the NFL, the NHL, sorry, I think every year falls victim in some ways to its own parody. And the NBA, I know the, 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 the Bucks lost, but the NBA has this way of, of setting things up where the best teams usually win. The stars are usually on the best teams. And I think it works out better in the end for them than it does these, these ultra parody leagues like the NHL and the NFL to a degree as well. Yeah, it's the same that the NCAA tournament used to be. Everybody, you want those first and second round upsets, right? That's what you want. But when push comes to shove and I'm dealing with the Elite Eight and Final Four, I want the Blue Bloods. Yeah. You know, I, I want Kentucky. I want Kansas. That's, that's what I want in the Final Four. I don't want one of these small schools that nobody's ever heard of, the Cinderella stories, up in St. Francis or St. Peter's, whatever it is, getting to the final. It's not, that's not exactly what the TV folks want. And it's the same here. You, you want your big, big brands. And the, the difference is that one player in basketball can have a lot more impact on the game than one player in hockey. And we see it with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Two, like you said, two of the best, maybe the best to play right now is not enough to propel you to a championship. You have to have a good team around it. Um, which is, by the way, what are we, a week away from the uh, NBA, NHL draft lottery, right? Mm. So we'll find out who gets Connor Bedard, talking about adding talent, adding sizzle. How often do we ever talk NHL draft lottery on this show, uh, maybe maybe the first time ever, but when you get generational talents and, and a time when these kids are stars already, whether it's been playing in the juniors or the junior championships, people know who Connor Bedard is, just like they know who all the future stars are when they're 16, 17, LeBron being on the cover of Sports Illustrated. That's where we are now. You're coming in ready-made stars. One of the reasons, by the way, and I'm not sure it's needed anymore, but one of the reasons why the NBA wanted an age limit. There's two major reasons. One, you're pushing back a little bit older for that second contract, not quite as big. Get it? But you saw from Carmelo Anthony what it does one year in college do for the promotion of a player. Mm -hmm. Carmelo was a, a, a good recruit. Everybody knew that. But leading Syracuse in the NCAA tournament to the national championship made him a household name and star before he'd ever done anything in the NBA. Yeah, and 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 we should actually maybe table this discussion for for next week, but we should talk more about the NBA and NHL draft lotteries. It's a different system obviously than the NFL employs. And this year both in the NHL, as you mentioned, with with Bedard, and then in the NBA with with Victor Wembanyama, probably two of the most anticipated draft lotteries yep. that, that 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 either league has had in, in the past decade plus. Uh, and, and we saw the, the 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 Dallas Mavericks tanking at the end of the year, find seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars for essentially choosing not to go to the playoffs. It, it is essentially what they did because they knew they were not going to win, and not going to the playoffs gave them an albeit pretty small, but let them hang on to a very small chance at maybe getting to draft Victor Wembanyama. The, the the draft lottery setup is, I think it's a really fascinating business study, and it leads to all these interesting kind of unintended consequences, as we saw with the Mavericks, and some big challenges for, for the NBA and the NHL, I think, to a degree as well. So let's talk about Bedard and Wembanyama later on, maybe next week, Scott, because it's, it's going to be a huge story in both leagues in the next month. All right. And also, by the way, we, we wanted to talk about an email I got today that the NHL announced today it was looking for folks to populate its youth advisory board. 
And, you know, you, I believe you came up with this idea, <laughs> Lolo, many, many years ago. I'm going to give you credit, even if it wasn't you, because I hadn't heard of the Youth Advisory Board. I know they've been doing it for a few years, but the NHL, in essence, is looking for, I'll say kids, what, 13 to 17-ish to sort of every now and then get together and advise the league on what they think they can be doing better, what would appeal to young folks. And you, many years ago on this show, said you thought every league should employ a CTO, a chief teenage officer. Yep. Right? Yeah, just just idea. to sort of bounce things around. That. Yeah, you were the CTO, the 100%. chief teenage officer, which which I believe I reacted very ebulliently to. What a great <laughs> idea, Evan Dovey Williams. Um, much like the board behind you, all your great new artwork and stuff. <laughs> Um, great, great idea. Uh, every, every league, probably every team should have one. Oftentimes owners, they will rely on their, their, their own, own children. children exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like we've seen that before. We had owners tell us, well, I didn't know about this, but my, you know, my son, my daughter, they told me, or my grandchild, you know, they were telling me about this TikTok thing, <laughs> you know, Hey, how can we utilize that? Um, every team, every league should be employing a CTO or as the NHL wants, a, a board of however many it is. How often, Scott, does your focus group of one come up on the show? A every show, because the, yeah. the way in which teenagers right now are consuming sports, the way they're watching sports, the way they're playing games around sports is is so different than the way that your generation, my generation, whatever it is, the way that other people consumed it. And this is the central question for everyone in our industry right now, right? Is as, as the teenagers of today become 25-year-olds and 35-year-olds in the next couple decades, and they're the ones that are driving the economy, how are we, how do we have to position ourselves to match their viewing habits? And yeah, I think the, the chief tech technology officer, the youth advisory board, whatever you want to want, want to say it. I, I think leagues and teams everywhere should be leaning on asking questions of 14 to 17 year olds right now as the easiest way to get that information rather than trying to get it from the top, uh, from the top down. Yeah. Don't forget the CTO is not the chief technology officer, as you said, it's the chief teenage officer. And by the way, thank you very much. Cause you don't realize I normally you get it. But do you know that it is the obvious perfect segue to number two on your list on the board? I do know. Did you that. pick up on that? Did, did you remember that was number two on your board? <laughs> well, I'm looking at no, it you backwards didn't. in my screen. No, no yeah, but no, you didn't. I could tell. No, I could tell you you didn't, or else you would have gone there yourself. I'm like, he's going to do it. No, he's not going to. He doesn't realize it. Go ahead. Tra transfer to the Phoenix Suns and tell me why talking about viewing habits of, of this generation uh, fits nicely into a story about the Phoenix Suns. What's old is new again, Scott. For the past 20 years... Rabbit ears! <laughs> rabbit ears! For the past 20 years, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball teams, almost all of them have shifted to this RSN, Regional Sports Network model, where their local games, local rights are televised almost exclusively on cable networks that you needed to have a pay TV subscription to, uh, to, to get. And the Suns are the first NBA team to get away from that model, going back to a model where games are available in two places, Scott. One, on free-to-air TV, Rabbit Ears, as you're talking about, and then two, in a digital service that, that fans in, 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 the, in the local Phoenix and Arizona area can pay to get via their, TV, via their smart TVs, their, their, their cell phones, via their computers. I think this is a model, and, and we'll see, uh, I think this is a model that's going to take off. The, 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 the RSN uh, business is, is crumbling, as we've talked about on this show, for, for almost everybody. Maybe not the Yankees, maybe not the Mets, the Cubs, the Dodgers. There's a few teams out there that are doing very well and will continue to do well on cable television. 
But if you're a team like I'm going to throw Suns, in Red Sox just because Sam Kennedy listens to 100%. the show. If you're a team like the Suns who were on Bally Sports Arizona, uh, Bally now that 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 diamond, the the backers of of the Bally Sports Networks now bankrupt. Uh, that model was probably not going to be that lucrative for you. So the Suns are, are opting for reach. My guess is they'll make a bit less money directly from their local rights being on pay TV through the great the great television. You, you guess. You guess. <laughs> yes, you know. they, I know. Yes, they are going to make less money. <laughs> directly. Uh, Matt Ishbia, the new owner of the Suns, told me when I was writing about this last week, he said that the the monetizing is not his first concern right now. He, he feels like if he does right by his fans, makes it available without a pay TV subscription, makes it easier to watch, makes it cheaper to watch, uh, that that will filter into more revenue opportunities in the future. And that may be that if, if more people can watch the Suns, more people start rooting for the Suns, more people decide to go to Suns games. Same with the Mercury. The, the, the Suns and the Mercury have, both of those teams have, have transcendental stars in the NBA and WNBA right now. Brittany Griner, Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, uh, Matt Ishbia's plan really appears to be, I want as many people in the Arizona era, area watching these people as possible. And if, if more people are watching it, I'm going to figure out a way to get that money from them in, in a different way. That's always the rub. What have we heard from every sports league that's had a media deal coming up and the NBA now coming up and the NFL when it was negotiating its new deal? What are we prioritizing? You know, Roger Goodell has always said that scale was the most important thing to the NFL, but they have a luxury knowing that they can dabble in streaming as they do Amazon Thursday night. They can dabble in streaming and still get plenty of money from their other deals. Now you had the same question of MLS, right? You can, at a league level, you have to worry about all the partners, all the teams in totality. Matt Ishbia can say for himself, well, I'm willing to take less and I think scale's the way to go. Great. That's the, he can do it. That's a unilateral decision. It is a, a, as David Stern used to say, it is a majority of one. Matt Ishbia makes the call. However, you know, you're also, when you're looking at, at leagues like MLS, you have to take into consideration that there are owners who got in at a very low price point early in the league. You've got people coming in later paying hundreds of million dollars for their franchise. Same in the NFL, by the way. Those who pay $6 billion, hi Josh Harris, for their franchise, not done yet. We have more to talk about coming up, uh, maybe in a later podcast, but more there, um, have a, certainly a different view from somebody like the, uh, the Tishes and the Maras who got in early and have no debt, that kind of deal. So it's a different, it's a different equation. The, the MLS uh, sided on, we need to take the money. And then I'm not sure if they tried to sell the public and themselves on, the reach will be there and here's all the other benefits of being in one place. I get it. But the, this debate of scale or money, like it's a perfect world when you can get scale and money. And they, and they all know it. Just not there yet. It'll be interesting to see. It's a great test case, which is why I think that Suns um, move got so much attention. Everybody wants to see what happens with them. Exactly. And there are dozens of professional NHL, MLB, and NBA teams that are part of the Bally network right now. There are others that are on AT&T, RSNs. There's a lot of teams. It's not an exaggeration to say there's dozens of professional sports teams out there that are now thinking about these exact things. If the RSN thing doesn't work out or if this specific RSN setup doesn't work out, what do we want to do? And digital is going to be a part of everybody's plan that seems unequivocally accurate. But uh, I think the question of do we want to still be on pay TV? Do we want to maybe offer things on free TV, broadcast television, which the Suns are doing, as we said? Uh, I think we're going to see a lot more teams in the coming months start to lay out 
their vision of what this future looks like. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the fact that Steve Ballmer was there before we sort of heard a lot about the RSNs collapsing. He was looking at direct-to-consumer. They've done a you lot and of I digital. Have heard about yeah. Some, yeah, we we've heard about a, a number of other teams and owners who are also looking at direct-to-consumer, know your fans better, try and rope them in with e-commerce, get more data. The more you know about them, the more valuable each eyeball becomes. So that that is certainly where where it's headed, we think. Still no idea how the RSN uh, uh, situation is going to shake out across all of the leagues, except for the NFL. <laughs> but uh, it certainly matters most to NBA, NHL, and MLB, which is right in the middle of its uh, of the season now, you know, going. So they're, they're in the toughest position of having to figure it out on the run. Yeah, exactly. The, and, and the Suns have this, this, this great break, right? They have this good five, when the playoffs are over, they're going to have a five-month break, five, six-month break where they can figure out all this stuff and lay it out. Baseball teams don't have that advantage, right? So I think we're going to see more on the NBA and NHL side in the coming months just because they have that breathing room and some contracts are up, right? They, some contracts are up. So, so they have more leeway and more freedom than baseball teams do for sure. Speaking of contracts, I would say Eben Novi Williams. If there were uh, big time deals given out in the sports business re- re- uh, reporting world, <laughs> I would gladly, knowing how you're going to approach your job on a daily basis, uh, having sat next to you for how many years now? Twelve. Many, yeah, how is it? A dozen. Yeah. It's only twelve. That's it. Twelve. Yeah. All right. For for more than a decade, then we'll say for twelve years. Uh, I'll say Baker's dozen almost. I would give you a lifetime contract. Okay. I would absolutely give you a lifetime contract knowing that you're going to deliver um, in whatever the metric is that we need you to deliver in. Uh, and clearly, in the sneaker game and the apparel game, others feel the same about Steph Curry. By the way, not bad. 50 points, game seven. And uh, Nike, Kevin Durant. Uh, lifetime deals, U, uh, UA and Nike, both of them within like a month. So... Uh, added to the mix. But Nike had only done that for Michael and LeBron in terms of basketball players. So congratulations, Kevin Durant and Steph Curry. I'll be right back, Scott. I'm just going to text my agent real quick and have him, uh, have him give you a call. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah so, so really interesting. In the span of a couple of weeks, as you mentioned, two two NBA superstars, two different companies, both getting these lifetime deals. I mean, we could start with Steph. Um, it's I, I tie these two together, Steph and KD. I don't know if you, you remember the full story of when Steph left Nike. But when uh, Steph, in the beginning part of his career, was a Nike athlete, and when it came time for him to sign his second deal, essentially, when he was on the cusp of becoming an NBA superstar, uh, they, they gave a pitch to him in in the Bay Area that included slides from KD's deck that they had forgotten to change the name of. So it had Kevin Durant's <laughs> name on, yep. instead of Steph's name on. I think they also mispronounced his name at one point, one of the Nike executives. And, and, and Steph and his father have said in past interviews, that was the, that was the nail in the coffin. They realized right then that, that maybe Steph should not be working with Nike, should be going elsewhere. So right around that same time, KD extended with Nike and Steph went to, uh, went to Under Armour. I think it's fair to say that both those deals have worked out very well for both those players and clearly worked out well for, for Nike and Under Armour because they're getting, as you said, these, these huge lifetime deals. Steph, I think it's not an exaggeration to say he was, he's been a billion dollar, multi-billion dollar asset for Under Armour. When he signed there, they were barely a player. And not at just all in, basketball, in basketball, by the way. Exactly. Uh, they were barely a player in basketball. They, they've put, he's put Under Armour on the map there. And then beyond that, yeah, he has a whole apparel line, right? It's a, he has done a wonders golf for Under apparel. Armour. Golf yep. apparel. Um, KD has a shoe. I know he has his own logo, but it's not something I see all that often. And I think the KD Nike relationship is honestly for me, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts, a little bit harder for me to fully understand 
but the Steph Under Armour world um, makes total sense to me. Under Armour has given up so much of its big team league college sponsorship deals. They were going to be the Jersey provider for major league baseball. They gave that up. They, they've gotten out of their deals in UCLA and Boston college and Cal. Uh, the thing that they really value is these individual athletes. It's, it's the rock. It's, it's Steph Curry. And clearly they want to keep that going for a long time. Curry is just obviously global ambassador, global star, icon, change the game. I, I, I totally get it. And what do they used to say about big men? Like big men don't sell shoes, right? Because they're not relatable. And I guess it's it's a tip of the cap to Kevin Durant that I don't think of him as a big man, but Kevin Durant's a seven footer, right? But you don't think of him as a seven footer because of how he plays the game. Like it's not sort of a back to the basket, whatever. He's a dynamic scorer. I get it. That's very inside basketball. Um, but I, I don't think I put Kevin on the same plane as, as Steph in terms of global icon. I don't know why. I, I, I just don't. Like, I mean, Steph sort of like invigorated a, a whole bunch of, I, I know he's not like 5'11", but, you know, Steph's a little guy. He's relatable. That's like, that was always the thinking 100%. behind guards yeah. is that they're much more relatable. Um, like, hey, he can do it. So look, he's not seven feet tall. Um, but hey, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, interesting to see that these two, just within a span of a month or so, that two lifetime contracts were given. If out. you were to take both Steph and, and Katie to China, they'd obviously both be huge stars. But do you think there's a, 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 a larger difference because of what you just said? Do you think one of these guys yes. has more resonance in, in other markets beyond the U.S. than the other? Yes. I think I've seen Steph walk the streets or go and do promos around Asia. And it's, you know, just, it's a mob scene. Yeah. Absolute, absolute mob scene. He, he's just sort of, he's changed the face of basketball with the three point shooting. Uh, everybody's into it now and it's analytics. And he just, he just does things that we just have not seen before. So yeah, I think, I think Curry for those reasons, um, it, for me anyway, I think has more resonance on a global basis. Yeah, I think that's right. All right. Well, we're, we're already late for our weekly meeting. And by the way, uh, it was raining in uh, our area for the past two days. So because I was inside and the focus group of one was on the Xbox and he didn't have any scheduled baseball games and there was no need to be on the ice right now, I went to Netflix and I watched some of the King of Collect. Actually, I watched them all. I planned on watching one episode and I texted Ken Golden. I said, hey, I've got my wonton soup. I've got my dumplings and I'm settling in for episode one. And you know he sent back a, a pretty funny emoji, um, but then I went episode two, three, four, five, six. I know the world of collectibles, but I don't know the world of collectibles. If that makes any sense, mm. found it very interesting. Of course, Peyton Manning, uh, executive producer on the project, he's in there as well. We see Mike Tyson. Um, really interesting to see just sort of behind the scenes how Ken goes treasure hunting. Ken, Ken and his team, I should say, go treasure hunting, and just what's become of the collectible space. I myself am not a Pokemon card collector. But to see him opening boxes and getting excited, uh, I think we should have Ken on the show sometime soon just to talk about it. Steve Cohen invested in the company, Golden Auctions, but I think it was, what, 2021, right? And coincide with the explosion of collectibles. Uh, I think I want to have Ken on the show just to discuss sort of where, where it was, where he is, where it's going. I, I'm, I'm fascinated by it. Let's do it. All right, he says okay. So you'll have to write it on the board. You know, you're the one that has to do it. All right, he is Eben Novi Williams on the Twitter Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnik on Twitter at Soshnik. Our producer is Matt Whitehurst. Thank you very much, Matt. Our digital media editor is Cora Veltman. She loves it when I remind you that the show can be found at Sportacast, which is the hub of the Sportico Media Network. Okay. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.